I had a mind that defaulted towards depressive thoughts and like all-consuming thoughts. So at my in my worst moments, I'd be like, oh, what's the point of anything? Oh, I've let myself down again. So what I learned was like, because I said at the start of the episode, I don't, I don't care that much about what other people think about me. But what I learned was the reason why I cared so much about how many followers I had or how well my business was doing or whether I was hitting this and that daily habit was because I was judging myself a lot. I had this idea of the sort of person I should be. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Brown, and you're listening to the Every L Podcast. Each episode, we'll have a different guest come on and talk about when life hands you an L, is it really a loss or is it something else? Because not every L's a loss. So sit back, relax, or do whatever you guys do to get comfortable as we get into this. Let's go. Welcome everyone to another episode of Every L Podcast where we have different guests come on and talk about things that have happened in their lives where at the time they'll definitely say it as an L but looking back in hindsight they explore and reason with themselves and wonder was it actually L or was it something else and that's what we do here we have conversations based on what the guest wants to talk about and they tell their version of their truth because it's important that we all acknowledge what we've gone through and that we look back and understand things a little bit better. In hindsight, we clearly get a better vision of that than when we're actually in it. Today, I am, and this is so cliche, but I don't care. I am very grateful. I'm very honoured to have this particular guest on. Now, this guest I have not met in real life as of yet. I will make it a point, but my guy's doing marathons and all that, and I'm not chasing that down the street doing a marathon. It's not happening. I'll probably catch a cab or Uber or whatever. Um, yeah, this guy is been on social media. He's doing absolute bits on there. He is a down to earth guy who just gets finances. And even though that may not be where his background originally lies, he has managed to just understand it and then be able to communicate it in a way that is easily digestible from all walks of life and has helped people make better financial decisions for themselves and help themselves be more financially literate. And that cannot be understated, especially now with the cost of living and going the way it's going. So this person is not only good at being able to communicate, their abilities to do graphic design is up there. I'm talking about, I'm looking going, all right, cool, let me see if I can uh, match that. You know, let's see what I can do. And I, I, I like to be, I've done a couple of something. But ultimately, I don't feel I can deliver as consistently and as frequently as he does. He is a fantastic individual who does amazing things of his own accord or his own back. And he's just just setting the standards, just honestly, just so privileged to see what he's doing. I'm happy to be able to consume what he's doing. And I'll continue to back him because I just love what he's about and how he conducts himself. And I wish everything that is well for him and his family. And I'm honestly grateful for him to be coming on the podcast to share his truth. And without further ado, Timmy, how are you doing, sir? I'm good. Thank you. Um, that was a really kind introduction. Um, I know we're not doing video for this, but I could see yeah, I could see in your face that you um that really meant what you said. And it means a lot. It does, because the work that I do 
for people who don't know, I'm a financial educator. I do work on social media. Um, I do talks, workshops. I contribute on broadcasts. I've been featured on uh, BBC, ITV News, Sky News, uh, Financial Times. Um, and that's what people see. But as you can see, I'm just in my room. <laughs> and th this is actually what most of my life is like. I'm in the house, writing scripts, shooting videos, preparing for the next talk or event I'm going to do. And it's very, it's very isolating. I know isolating can be a negative word, but by just by isolating, I mean, I'm literally here by myself, right? Um, my, my wife works a regular nine to five. So it's just kind of me. And in that isolation, I don't always get to see things from other people's point of view. I just do something and then I'm on to the next thing. So genuinely, uh, very kind of you to introduce me in that way. And I'm very thankful that the things I'm doing are actually working because I only ever see things from my perspective. And um, I think the format of your podcast is very good as well. I'm big on reflecting. Um, I, I do like to think that there are no losses in life, only lessons. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to today's conversation. Oh, that's great. And yeah, I get that being, you know, I guess I'm a creative and even though I have a nine to five, I've always been a creative doing what I do. So I've kind of had both sides of the coin that I've could be able to bounce between. And I think those that are not creative or not as frequent creators as we are, it's the fact that I've taught myself to love the process of making things rather than finishing things because people always ask you to revise it, to do another, like, go again, do this, do that. So I might as well fall in love with the process of it because all I'm forever going to be doing is making something new. Because you're putting stuff out there, you can reflect on that and see how you could probably improve it better the next time or do it in a different way. But because you've created something, that's more than half the people or more than all the people that still sat there thinking about doing something. It's better to do than to think about doing. Mm. And it's commendable that you're just able to churn out what you're doing and still achieve your other goals in life that you're clearly going through some sort of a bucket list. <laughs> I, I, I commend you for that. So I did I did used to have a bucket list actually, but um I met with a friend for coffee yesterday and she she inspired me to actually put together a 40 by 40 list. So it's still a bucket list, but I, I just liked the idea of structuring it in that way. Um like you spend uh, and like I'm I'm 33 now, so and I've I've ticked a few things off the list, but I, I actually wrote down twenty personal goals and twenty professional goals yesterday. And I'm actually going to put them out, I think. I think I'm just going to like create a two-slide carousel post and like post them. Um, because there are some people who say that you shouldn't talk about your goals. And I get where they're coming from with that. But my experience personally is that when I put my goals out into the world, they that just manifests them into existence. Because I'll be like, oh, I've always really wanted to do this thing. And then someone somewhere will see that and be like, oh, well, I actually work with an organization who does that thing. So would you like to have a chat? So I'm a big fan of putting stuff out there. And um, yeah, I, I am going through a list of things I want to do. You know, you only get one life. There's no space for fear, shame. You just got to do it. So running a marathon, 
stand-up comedy, running a business. I'm just going to do all these things. Like I, I, don't, I don't really care because it's just, you know, once you're not here, you're not here. So you may as well, you know, go for stuff. I 100% agree with that one. I agree with that. And, you know, I, I appreciate your honesty. And I think, you know, this platform itself is very much about putting things out there. A lot of people would like to dress it up, especially, you know, you're on social media, I'm on social media. And we see how things just look filtered, like throughout. They all dress it up a certain way. And you're thinking, but how are you financing this lifestyle? Like, how are you doing all this stuff all the time? Like, I understand you could, you know, flex once a month, but 12 times a month, every month? Oh, 12 times a day. Yeah, I think um, I'm just so, I'm so grateful that I don't care about money. I honestly don't. I've never, ever cared about money in that way. Um, I'll be on social media sometimes and I'll, I'll land on a page where like, it's obviously like the person's trying to portray a certain image. Um, I'm not judging them, you know, everyone can, it's their, it's their page, they can do what they want. And it'll be like a picture and they'll maybe have their hand like this, and then they're showing their watch in the picture. I don't know anything about watches. I know that it's supposed to be a good watch, <laughs> but I don't. I just don't know. So I'm just like, it's like you may as well be showing me Arabic. I just don't know <laughs> what you're trying to communicate to me. I've always been that way. I I care more about running a business than I do making loads and loads of money i care more about the flexibility the freedom the autonomy than just the the raw numbers and of course of course you know having enough money to do what you want to do in your life to be able to buy the things that you want to be able to go on holiday and stuff but just the raw status thing of i have all this money so please think i'm great i i don't care about that at all and it doesn't even like register with me and what what i think this has done is it's freed me up to do things that might make me look silly, to make mistakes, to um, do things in a slightly different way. Because I'm not looking at what that person's going to think of me. I am actually largely competing with myself. You know, when I ran the marathon, it wasn't what will people think. It was what I want to do this. How will I feel if I don't do this? That, I, I love that. I think that's very much how I would like to say I am. I'm very mindful I'm probably not there, but I'd like to think that's what I pursue because I'm not trying to chase no six-figure payday. What's the point? <laughs> you know, in the day, right? If I'm going to get paid six figures by a company, trust me, mm. they feel like they own me at that in that very moment. So when they say jump, I'm saying, how high? Yeah. And I don't I don't want to be in that, in that headspace. Um definitely how you said about having one life and looking back. For me, I have my beliefs of what I think happens after you die. But no one here, as far as I'm aware, can tell me hand on heart, this definitely happens. But imagine you die and you had to watch your life go back again. Imagine how rubbish your life would be if you said no to so many fantastic opportunities yeah, because yeah. you're scared or you was worried about what other people for who they're even looking at you. They're worried yeah. about their own stuff. Yeah, everyone's worrying. Every, everyone's worrying about themselves. This, this is the crazy yeah. thing. You do a thing so that people look at you and think X, Y, Z. But what we need to recognize is that even the greatest people that have ever lived, people that we would consider to be some of the greatest people that have ever lived, or that are still living with us, how often does the average person think about Beyonce? Really? Like, as great as she is, 
how often does yeah. the average person think about all of her achievements, all the amazing songs she's written, the fact that she can sing and dance at the same time, the fact that she was in like Austin Powers 3 with Mike Myers, which is a <laughs> hilarious film. Like you just don't think yeah. about these things, not because she isn't great, but because you're too busy worrying about what people think about you. But everybody is doing that. And yeah, like when you get to the end of, so I, I was um, like transparency for me, I was raised in a Christian um, household. But I now um, identify more as agnostic. So like, I believe that, that there's a God, but I don't feel like I have sufficient evidence or details as to the nature, character, whatever the case may be. Um, I think the one thing that we can all agree on, regardless of what our beliefs are, is this plane of existence we're in, where you can see, smell, hear, taste, touch, is kind of like a one-time-only thing. And whether you end up in heaven or wherever else, that's a completely different plane of like you can't see in heaven because your eyeballs are like on earth still yeah you can't hear anything because you don't have a physical body anymore so whilst we're in this physical thing that we're doing which for me is kind of like a video game to me i'm playing super mario <laughs> but i've only got one life that's what life is to me yeah i'm playing a video game it's like sonic the yeah. hedgehog but i've got one life if i fall down a hole then that's the end of the game. So you do things that don't kill you or destroy you. And then you spend the rest of your time challenging yourself, seeking joy, seeking love, having fun. Like have fun if you can. And we're very fortunate to be in the UK. I know that we're going through our challenges in this country at the moment, but there are lots of other countries, lots of other periods of time we could have been born into where it just would have been really, really bad, really terrible. One of my friends sent me a link to what's going on in Haiti at the moment. It was like a BBC news piece. Um, I haven't read too much into the details, but the article was talking about how just parts of Haiti are now controlled by gangs. So depending on where you are, you could just get kidnapped for a ransom. And it's like a very profitable industry. Wow. And that's not too... Uh, trivialize or diminish what's going on in the UK here with our economy. But I read that and I was like, do you know what? I'm going to be thankful for the stuff that there is to be thankful for, which is that at the very least, I have a roof over my head. I don't worry about my physical or personal safety when I leave the house. Yes, things are expensive, but I'm actually in a position with my work where I can help people manage their day to day. And it, it, for, in the future, we have everything to play for. Economic downturns, don't last forever you know for me the future is bright the future is always bright yeah and I think that is very hard when you're in it to see that light I guess I'm very much a person that if there's a shadow being cast there's a light source that's casting that shadow absolutely that's very beautiful where's the light coming from I haven't heard it put that way but I think that that is so yeah that's just so awesome and just to build upon that I think that we have a responsibility to ourselves to be very discerning over the information we consume because if you want to depress yourself right now then just read the news you know like there's more than enough stuff there for you to feel sad about but i also think that the media does have something to answer to as well because you know they're, they're commercial organizations so they need views they need clicks and stuff but something that i'm going to start saying is that i don't believe we're in a cost of living crisis anymore I don't. Emphasis on the word crisis. Because a crisis 
is a temporary intense period of pain. And prices have been through the roof all year. And I think it's immensely damaging to all of us to be in a state of crisis for months and months and months and months. Because before this was the COVID crisis. And then before that, there was like, we're in crisis because of Brexit. This is all happening against the backdrop of the climate crisis. I think it's far more reasonable and balanced to say that things are just more expensive now than they were last year. And then it becomes about how do you adapt? What course of action do you take to exist in this new economic environment? But to be in crisis all the time. But then you read the news and you're like, we are in crisis. That's what the news is telling me. So let me behave like we're in panic mode 24-7, which is hugely damaging. It is very much that. And I think we've got to learn to climatize with the day that we're living in. You know, phones are a thousand pounds, like mobile phones are a thousand pounds. Like, why am I paying four figures for a mobile phone? Are you stupid? <laughs> like, what, is the, what does the phone do, really? I'm still rocking a phone from back in 2019 and it still does a job. But, you know, you'll watch the Apple presentation every year telling you, oh, it's the best iPhone. And they blatantly tell you they're going to drop a next one next year. Yeah. But you'll sign up to a three year contract. But people do what they're going to do, irrespective of what crisis they're in, because they know what sacrifice they're willing to make, if any to obtain what they want. And I think if we change our mentality, and I'm very much on the mindset of where you can't apply a filter to your life, but you can change your mentality. And Mm -hmm. by doing that, you'll be able to then say, well, do I really need this? No, let me have that. Or am I going for it for brand's sake? Or can I formulate a different way of approaching the situation? So I think a lot of us need to look into ourselves and really utilize the resource that's available to us. And things like what you do, the way you use different analogies with the sweets, with um, like just the illustrations. If people go check out his Instagram page, he's got a whole heap of them. Amazing. It, it, it helps just communicate those messages. And, and I think it could be wrong, but I was raised up in a church home for the most part. And I know I love the book of parables. I haven't read it for a while, but I love the book of parables, uh, book of Proverbs because of all the parables that are in there. And that just helps me have conversation with people and make those connections potentially that could be part of the reason why you like illustrations because you've heard so many Bible stories over the years and you realize, well, to communicate this this particular heavy topic, I have to bring it to a level where people can see it, can understand it, can actually touch it. And that's where you're as good as you are at what you do, as well as your natural gifted abilities anyway. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to jump into your first and only L, which is a very interesting one for me because I have so many questions around this. So, folks, again, I don't know anything other than what he's put on here. And the L that would be like to be spoken about today is not loving myself. Oh, wow. I forgot that. Um, Yeah, I I forgot that I told you one. Did you want to use another one? We can talk about not loving myself. Yeah, but there's two. I think there's... So, the not loving myself L is like a day-to-day ongoing one. But the other one, if I was going to talk about it, maybe I can save this for another day, was um, doing law at university. We can cover both. Which one do you want to go with first? I'll, I'll just quickly touch on doing law at university. I don't think it, it's not, it's definitely not a mistake because I, yeah, I wouldn't say doing law at university was an L, but I'll just, I'll touch upon it very briefly. Basically, when I was applying to go to university, there was a lot of familial pressure Um around doing law um and i understand where that comes from that's you know we want you to do a degree 
that is going to get you a good stable job that's well paid that's in an industry that's not going to go away and I did law and I basically did not enjoy it at all um and it wasn't in line with my interests or my strengths at the time and something I did for a long time was like imagine like my life as like a timeline and then me going to uni and doing law kind of split it in two and then I have this like law timeline which I'm on now and then I have this one of like what if I'd done something that was more in line with my interests and with my strengths or what if I'd not gone to uni at all and just gone full-time into business because I've always been very entrepreneurial um, ever since I was a teenager I used to make beats on Fruity Loops and sell the music on MySpace I've been doing graphic design for yeah nearly 20 years now and used to sell them and and stuff this is way way back when I was still in like school uniform so I've always had this question but less so now because you know everything happens in its own time around uh was going to you need to do that the right decision but I don't question it too much because everything happens for a reason I made relationships at uni I that I still have today I learned a lot about what I like and what I don't like and um, I have a business now and I don't think it's a race I think it's just about getting to where you want to get to eventually um, so I don't think that that's an L but on the self-love piece the not loving myself piece that's like a day-to-day L that I think is relevant for this discussion well, that's fine before you go on if that's all right I want to ask you a couple questions about that university one because I think I find that interesting I find it interesting the fact that you, the way you articulate yourself was very, very well put. Just because you said it split yourself, you split your timelines of where you wanted to go versus where you was on. Mm. How did you know where you wanted to go? Because so many people I've spoken to, old and young, had no idea where they wanted to go. By the time they were coming up to where you want to go to university, I don't know what I want to do for life. I don't know what I want for lunch. Yeah. So, Definitely, there's something in the setup around university in this country where you're making really big decisions from a very, very early age and you don't know the full implications. You don't necessarily have all the information you need to make an informed decision. And then there's like people, different people are weighing in, your school's weighing in on like what you should do and your parents might be saying stuff, your friends might be saying stuff. So it is difficult to know what you should do. But I was really interested in psychology at school and that based on my 16 year old mind was what I wanted to do but I didn't you needed to have like an A level in maths and I didn't have that so I couldn't do psychology at the top unis uh, or any any of the unis that I applied to which is really weird because now I'm an ambassador for like a national numeracy charity so that's why I say it's not it's not an L it's just the way that things happened why was I interested in psychology? I was just really interested in like thinking and how people think. Still am. And I thought that that would give me an insight into the way the human mind works. Because I've always felt like I was different to other people. I thought that the way that I thought about things wasn't the same as the people I was at school with and like was hanging around with. And I felt like there was something that everyone else just like got about human interaction and socializing that I didn't get. Um, but, you know, the, the landscape has changed now. You can learn pretty much anything 
um, that you want to learn on the internet in your spare time. And learning doesn't end with school. Learning is an ongoing process, which is another reason why, as, as I talk about it and as I reflect, I don't think doing what I did at uni was a mistake. I think it had to happen in order for me to be the person that I am today. So what are the few things, I'd imagine it's more than one, that you gained from going to university to sort of endure that experience? Mm. Uni was a very difficult time for me. I suffered with uh, depression and even suicide, suicidal thoughts at points at university. Wow. It was a point in my life where I transitioned from being religious, like Christian, to being agnostic. And so there was this massive existential thing of like, oh my goodness, like, so if God didn't create the world or God as I understood God, then like what, what is actually the point in doing anything? Am I just sent here to just go to school, get a job one day and then just die? Like is that the point? And also all of the free time you get at university didn't help because that's just a lot of time spent playing video games, asking unanswerable questions and just ruminating. I think what also... um so yeah, like I, I learned a lot about myself in those like painful moments. I sought therapy for the first time. I saw a counselor. I was learned a bit more about myself and like what I believed. I didn't do that much of the law at uni, but there were some bits of it that were interesting. So just from a very like simple perspective, I studied law. I learned a bit about law. It now means that as a business owner, I have an appreciation for what a contract should look like. Um, I am a very, like, I'll meticulously go through things line by line. So there's some, some of the legal thinking came in there. And there's, look, there's like probably countless other benefits that I just didn't even realize, you know? I grew up in London my whole life. And then I went to live in a different part of the country for a bit. So that that's also very important to do. And I actually want to take it further and see if I can live and work abroad at some point, because um, that's still not something I've done. So lots of lessons, definitely a lesson, not a loss, uni, a lesson. And thanks for sharing because I personally didn't go to university and I have a lot of people around me who did. And whether they wanted to or didn't, it made me feel some sort of way like I missed out. But I'm very much a person who, when I grew up, it was sort of, okay, my primary school is one that said, if you was left-handed, they'll teach you how to use your right hand because they were that way type of mentality. And I always felt like I wasn't getting things. And the barometer for success in my school days was get the best grades going. And if you didn't get that, you're pretty much out in your ear. You've got nothing else going for you. And it wasn't until after school, I realized I just don't learn the way you're presenting information to me. I learn differently. Yeah. I, I need to actually doing it. Yeah. Well, we're very, very lucky, very fortunate to have free education in this country, um, a free education system. There are parts of the world and again, periods of time where whether it's like the men were getting education, but the women weren't, or like the general populace wasn't getting an education and you just had an elite at the very top who knew how to read and write and those sorts of things. I definitely don't want to take for granted the fact that 
you know, education fundamentally is a generation of people taking everything that human beings have discovered up until this point and passing it on to the next generation. That's immensely powerful thing that we do as a species. But yes, because of the setup, we end up with it catering to the lowest common denominator in some respects, the average person. And not everyone is going to want to sit down with a textbook. Not everyone is going to be into maths and the sciences and stuff. Some people are like good at making things good with their hands. We've also, over the course of our lives, seen a huge shift from a gatekeeper-led economy to a, a more democratized one. So you have all that emphasis on grades and qualifications in school and stuff because it's a few organizations who are providing that. That's why it was like that. But now you can just learn video editing or something and you could make thousands of pounds a month depending on who your clients are and never have gone to uni or as we've seen in the United States, create a global social media product or like tech technical product and sell it to people just simply because you know how to write code in a particular like um, software in a particular language. So the internet has massively shaken things up on the education front. And even people still say things uh, like, you know, why aren't we taught about money at school? And it's a question that I used to ask, and I think it's an important question. But the answer that I, get to that I give to that question has actually evolved over time. Because I just go, you know, let's reason from first principles for a second here. What is school? Like school is where you go to learn fundamentally, right? So maybe in 2022, school is on your phone. Yeah, It isn't just in the building anymore. Again, the internet has allowed for people to learn anytime, anywhere, any subject. Yeah, it's shaking everything up. Yeah, yeah. So you and I could decide today that 2023, we're just going to bang out Mandarin and we're just going to learn Mandarin online. It's possible to do that. And um I think we have a lot more flexibility now. We have a lot more noise too. Don't get me wrong. The internet means that like everyone's voice can be heard. But I think it's a good thing that you can learn about money on social media at your own pace and stuff. I don't know if there are many young people who want to do personal finance GCSEs or coursework, but maybe those people are out there. I have my own personal thoughts on it because I've been in finance for well, I was in finance for 15 and a half years. And my, my understanding is like, why would they want to teach you about finances? Because the government makes more money from you being ignorant. If you don't know what's out there and how to know about the tax havens that you have within your ISIS and so forth like that. ISIS, for people that don't know, is individual savings accounts. I, f I think the limit's like 20K you can put in there. So you can yeah. put up to £20,000 every tax year between the 6th of April to the 5th of April each year. And that becomes... Any interest you receive on it, whether it be compound or otherwise, is tax-free. And you can draw it out, depending on what access you put on it. It could be instant access, it could be time-bound by a year, two, or these stocks and shares, however you run it. But if we knew more about it, we'll be making smarter decisions financially, which means, ah, oh, we're not getting as much tax money come through. Ah, oh, people won't be doing this. So me being my... Don't want to be conspiracy theory here, but for me, it just feels like uh, they've had plenty of time to be able to implement that into it. They haven't. And plus, I think as well, you teach us about money, people won't be getting pregnant as quick as they are now because they'll be like, hang on, how much it costs to have a child? Mm. <laughs> you look good, but not that good. I don't want to be paying that type of money on a regular. And I get paid, like, let's be fair, minimum wages, it stands. £6.83 for 18 plus. 
20 to 22 is £9.18 and then it's £9.50 for 23 plus. Mm. So if you knew that, okay, cool, I'm getting paid less than £10 an hour. I'm not loving that. All right, cool. You have a child at 18, you're going to get nearly half of that. Do you know what? Let me just hold out until I earn a little bit more money. Let me get some qualification under myself so I can walk into a job that pays me more. But because these things are not being put in place, my head tells me people then are not incentivized to engage their brain and to think, let me hold off. Let me collect the skills I can get whilst I've got the capacity to do so because I don't have responsibilities like bills, mortgages, children, whatever. I can I can up my skill set. But that's that's my take on it. But yeah, it, very interesting. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I do see you in a few schools in the years to come. I would love to go into schools, absolutely. Um, and to um, kind of build upon what you just said, if we pretend that the, uh, or if, if we if we assume that the conspiracy theories are true and that there's a suppression happening at a systemic level, then thank goodness for the internet because you can use the internet to say, as we are doing right now, that there's a systemic thing going on and actually here's how money works. If, if the issue is systemic, then they were never going to teach you in the school building in the first place. So thank goodness we have social media and the internet. Well, I personally, me being an overthinker that I am, I just think, right, come on now. If it's not always about money, the way they teach you in school is take the information in. They don't necessarily want you to understand it. As long as you get the grades, that's all about. So just taking information, we go to take it on command. Then you get, well done well done. You go to university. Well done. Well done. You get a job that pays you well. Well done. I'm going to pay you money. Whereas the person that was disregarded in the school because they didn't take it on board, for me, they were left to the side, oh, you're going to be a tradesman. So they go be a tradesman. They earn whatever they earn. Because they don't know when the next job's coming along, they made that money work. They bought what they could afford to buy at that time. And potentially by the time they hit their 30s, maybe 40s, they ain't got no mortgage. And people are like, how come you haven't got a mortgage? Because I didn't know when the next lot of work was coming along, so I put it to what I could at the time. So I've paid off what I can. Whereas other people, because we're reliant on things, because we get kept getting told, well done, well done, here's this, here's that, we've been conditioned to believe that that is what's there for us. And, and I think there isn't necessarily one way of thinking that's the right way of thinking because it's always about your environment, the times, who you are as a person, what you're exposed to, what you understand and everything else. But I think it's wise that we have conversations, that we challenge what's in place because as a creator myself, as well as you, I'm sure there's been times where you've created something and in your head and all the trial runs you've done, you felt like this is a sound product or I'm going to release it. It's going to work. And then people get it and you're like, oh, wow, this is going to be on the focus group and now I'm getting feedback on it. I didn't anticipate and now they're using it a different way and I thought it was so user-friendly and ah. And let's be honest, someone way, way back in the day decided to create their education system. It started to create the curriculum that we all still use to today. And some people swear by it saying, oh, this is the best thing since sliced bread. This is like when Moses went up to the mountain and got the tablet. No, 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 it's not. Don't, Don't shut up. It's not. But they will back it like it is that and act like there's no adjustment that can be made to it. And it's like, well, no, if I can make something and I went, went to my focus group, they did what they did with it and I fixed all the bugs and I rolled out to the masses and it came back with still some issues. Who's to say these are not going to still have issues because we're all different people, especially with mental health becoming a lot more prominent as a conversation point where people have different learning styles, additional support that's required and whatever uh, mental health conditions they may have that prevents them from receiving information the way that it's presented, 
we should be thinking, well, how else can I present this information to my target audience? And is it still relevant for them to take it on? Because in the nicest possible way, Battle of Hastings, 1066, never used that in a pop quiz, never used it in any other time in my life. It just feels like, meh. Why are we not updating this stuff as and when we need to? Mm. But yes, you're right. The internet is here. It can be used as a tool. If you look at suppression in other countries where they don't allow access to things like YouTube and whatever else, those that do get have access to it via VPN or otherwise, they are then allowed to share what's going on in their countries, be able to educate themselves in a way that their country will not allow them to be educated. So there's some, there's a lot of positives. There's a lot of caution to be taken with having such powerful access to tools like this. But I, I, I'm just grateful for people like you who are out here just using your abilities to help others not to be yes we've got to be self-serving serving to a certain degree that's you know rule number one look after yourself and then you look after those that you care about and then further afield but you are looking after the masses yes you get paid thank i'm so grateful for that because I want I want them to put to put respect and put value on what you're doing, but you're helping people who otherwise don't understand because they may not have had the conversation that we've had about oh they should teach us about money because of X Y and Z. They just think that they're rubbish, that they've got a bad relationship with money, that everything like credit cards are bad, overdrafts are terrible, everything. And it's like well, if something's been created, it has a purpose. It can either be a positive purpose or it can be used as a perverse purpose. It depends on how you approach it and if it's the right type of product or service for you. But if no one's teaching you to have that level of conversation or have that thought process, you're going to forever think that something's bad or you're making a wrong decision and you're helping people to, to not have a negative perception of themselves or their self-worth. You are helping them to say, I never knew that. Now I do. And because of the content you're putting out so frequently, they're developing their own mindset of how to look at things. They're no longer just looking at it in a snapshot and going, yep, this is a one analogy I'm going to run with forever because we know not one analogy works for everything. But they're going to go, ah, oh, that works like that. That works like that. That works like that. So there's a pattern formulating. yeah, And then they're going to be a little bit more conscious about their decisions in life. And it might extend further than just finances, but you are contributing towards educating them in a way where they previously wasn't. And that is so powerful. So I don't know if you understand or ever looked at the ripples that you're creating, the waves that they're becoming, but you are doing a fantastic job. And I'm so grateful for all that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, loads of things to yeah unpack in the things that you said the kind of the hamster wheel that you described the going to school the well done then uni the well done the um job market the well done that for me is capitalism having seeped into our education system so it's basically where school and uni become a long and drawn out job interview process you know from the very first a you get you're almost being uh groomed is a bit too on the nose but you're being conditioned to end up in a job as an employee for the rest of your life and what we're seeing now with capitalism is that capitalism is is, is kind of creaking at the seams like it's kind of it's kind of wearing away and it's not doing what it was promised to us to do okay because what's with what's going on with the cost of living right now what we're seeing from capitalism is if you go to school and if you go to uni, and if you get a quote-unquote good job, 
then you might be able to pay your bills. That's what we've been left with. And so the system must be either iterated upon or torn down and and rebuilt. I prefer iteration because if you just destroy something and you don't have uh, an alternative, then you have chaos in the streets. And so that that well done thing that you're talking about and being left to one side because you're becoming a tradesperson, that's capitalism. That is people going, unless you can benefit this capitalist system, we're just not going to bother with you. And that's wrong. Education should be about passing on knowledge to the next generation so that they can be better than us. One. Two, in terms of what I'm doing, I used to resist doing what I'm doing right now. I went through a long time of like not really wanting to put my face on things, not wanting to do videos, not wanting to put myself out there because I was worried about you know being recognized. I was worried about like putting my personal information. Even look at the things I've spoken about on this podcast, like quite personal stuff. I was worried about that. But now I, I really think I found my calling and I found my vocation. And for as long as people keep asking me to come on podcasts, for as long as people keep engaging with my content, inviting me to do talks and stuff, I'm going to keep doing this because my vision for the economy is actually, it's a collection of people all specializing at what they're awesome at. That's my vision for society. That's a utopia for me, where it means that if you, Matt, are really good at creating and I'm really good at public speaking and talking, then we should do those things to the best of our ability so that they benefit other people. So the thing that you're really good at, you do it and it benefits everyone. And because you're good at it, that means I don't need to be good at it. So I can be focused on being the things that I'm good at. If millions of people all did that together at the same time, just imagine what the world would be like. We could literally just, we would literally go to Mars, you know, with everyone pulling out okay i don't know if we'd want to go to mars but you know you know what i mean like we could <laughs> we could literally move mountains if we were joined up like that but capitalism has gotten in the way capitalism doesn't say uh, ca- yeah capitalism doesn't care whether you like your job or not it doesn't care whether you're happy or not it just wants you to make more and more money just because growth for growth's sake but growth into what and um this period of discomfort that we're in with the cost of living, I hope will be instructive and will motivate us to change the system, to change the way that we're doing things. And I guess the only way we can change the system is by changing our own personal system. And then eventually, because we all do things differently, it forces them just like how at the moment you've got those companies that was test trial in the four day work week and see that as possible. Now more companies jump on the back of it because if it works, it works. Yeah, that's a great example of like, we don't need to do things the same way. Because like if you, yeah, if Saturday, the concept of having a day off on Saturday is not that old. It's a few decades old in the grand scheme of things. So yeah, absolutely. Let's go on to your piece about not loving yourself. Mm. What's that about? Um, so... I did some therapy last year and I found out about unconditional self-acceptance and self-love for the first time ever as a 31-year-old. And essentially, I was feeling really, really down and really beating myself up about stuff. I was setting all these deadlines and daily habits and 
goals for myself and I was not achieving them. And some of them were like, you know, big ones, like earn this much money or get your following to this level. And other thing, the other ones were like, get up at this time every day or have this kind of morning routine or this, that, and the other. And what I learned in the course of that work I did was that it was coming from a place of self-judgment and not a place of self-love. And by the way, we all do this. Rather than accept ourselves as we are, whenever we are, we're always going, I should be like this, I should have done that, or people should see me in this way, people should see me in that way. Sorry to bring up the C word again, but capitalism also compounds this because capitalism says, unless you get these grades, unless you earn this salary, unless you're wearing this type of watch, driving this type of car, that you are not a worthwhile, worthy human being. And so what you need to do is you need to get on that hamster wheel and you need to start pedaling, you need to start running so that one day you can be a valuable human being. That is very, very convenient for people who want to sell you things so that you will one day become a worthwhile human being. It's completely false. It's hugely damaging to society and to the individual because everyone is valuable just as they are. All the good bits and all of the bad bits, if we can even call them good and bad. And that's what I learned. And so I'm a lot more free now. I don't practice self-love, you know, 100% of the time. And it's also a daily practice, let me add. So it's not like you get to a point of self-love and you're like, okay, great. I love myself. So now I'm going to learn how to juggle. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's like showering or brushing your teeth. You wake up in the morning and no matter what, situation you're in whether you have an inbox full of unread emails or not whether you have overslept or not whether you've hit your goals the day before or not you just say to yourself i love myself i'm a living breathing human being who is worthy of love who is capable of loving other people and i'm just going to try my best in this 24 hours that i have ahead of me and i'm not going to look to the outside for this person to validate me, for this company to sell me this thing, for this person to give me money, for me to love myself. And once I realized this really powerful concept, it freed me up to actually do the things in life that I wanted to do. Because by accepting yourself, you're not saying, I am never going to change, I'm never going to evolve. Of course not. Every single cell in your body is replaced every seven years at, at an atomic um, level. So you obviously change and evolve, but it's just saying, moment to moment, you are valuable. You are worthy of love. Uh, you have something to offer to the world. And look, I'm not judging people. But sometimes we're out and about on the street and we'll see someone pull up in a car with a big exhaust, really low to the ground. And we'll be like, maybe that person really likes cars or maybe that person needs a bit more self-love because I'm not checking out that car as much as they think I am. And it's just two seconds at the traffic light. So yeah, the general principle is like to not, continuously look outside for love. You've got to give it to yourself.
So don't look for external factors to contribute towards your happiness. Find that component, find those motivations within yourself. You, you have it already. You have everything that you need already. Now, the compassionate piece is, why are we like this? We're like this because we're born as what's called an altricial species. Altricial means that you're born prematurely, uh, develop, developmental-wise. A newborn baby can't do anything. I don't have children, but I have a brother who's uh, like 16, 17 years younger than me. Um, and I've seen just like the amount of work that goes into raising a child. Um, by the way, precocious, I see your eyes widen up like that. You're in it right now. So uh, <laughs> let me not preach the converted. Um, precocial, by the way, is the opposite of altricial. Precocial means you're born fully developed. So a lot of animals, um, animal species are like this. They're born and then they can just walk and just within you know moments of, of being born and stuff. But human beings aren't like that. We're born prematurely. And then there's another, there's a period of like the first five years where you're like, I just, I want this child to just survive. And then you develop and you develop and you develop. So as children, we come to associate our parents' love with survival. Okay. Because if your parents didn't love you or your caregivers didn't love you, you'd be dead. Neither of us would be here if you didn't have someone to wrap you up and keep you warm, to feed you, to give you a place to live. So we associate love with survival. This is why rejection feels so bad. At a neurological level, it feels like you're dying. Like, what, this person doesn't fancy me back. Like, that heartbreak feels like someone's literally stabbed you in the heart. It's why social rejection feels so powerful. Uh, again, at a neurological level, when you stand up on stage and you need to speak publicly, the reason why you're so nervous is because you're like, I might say something stupid, and then none of these people, they're going to cast me out of the group. They're not going to want to talk to me anymore. And that, again, feels like death. So there's a very real reason why we all feel this way. But what do we do with young children? We look after them when they can't protect themselves. We feed them. We clothe them. We teach them. We love them. We do love them. But the, in the process of growing up, you need to learn how to cook for yourself you need to learn how to wash yourself you need to learn how to clothe yourself how to brush your teeth how to wipe your bum and how to love yourself that is as an adult a responsibility that you then should take on yourself instead of constantly looking to other people for it first is your parents then you get to age whatever and you're like oh my parents aren't cool anymore so let it be my friends at school the boys at school and then the boys start getting girlfriends. You're like, oh, maybe it's women or whoever you're into. Maybe that's where my validation is going to come from. They're like, oh, none of the girls like me. Maybe I need to earn some money. Maybe I need to dress a certain way. Maybe I need to drive a certain type of car. So you start trying to earn money to buy all this crap you don't even like or need or care about just so that you'll get some feeling that resembles love from people. No, you had it all along. You were valuable all along. And is this something that you experienced for why you went and pursued therapy? I pursued um, therapy because I see it as guided self-learning. So don't get me wrong, in that moment, I was very down. And I have a kind of, I'm, I'm changing now, I'm changing now. But uh, even as recently as like the first half of last year, I had a mind 
that defaulted towards depressive thoughts and like all-consuming thoughts. So at my in my worst moments, I'd be like, oh, what's the point of anything? Oh, I've let myself down again. So what I learned was like, because I, I said at the start of the episode, I don't I don't care that much about what other people think about me. But what I learned was the reason why I cared so much about how many followers I had or how well my business was doing or whether I was hitting this and that daily habit was because I was judging myself a lot. I had this idea of the sort of person I should be. And when I fell short of this idea that I set myself up for, I would feel terrible. Give you like a, just an example. Like, um, I ran a full marathon for the first time this year, but in previous years I've run half marathons. And so a very classic Timmy thing to do would be I would, in my calendar, put all my runs in. So this week, I'm going to get up at 8 o'clock every morning, and then I'm going to go for a run. And then I'll get to the end of the week, and I'll be like, oh, I only went on two runs. Because I gave myself seven runs to do. Like, who's going to run every single day? So I would constantly beat myself up in this way, and it would, like, affect me. It would affect my self-esteem of myself. But what I learned was, whether you do two runs or whether you do seven runs, that doesn't affect your intrinsic value as a human being. The more productive route to take is, okay, I I gave myself seven runs to do. I did two. So should I be giving myself seven? What's a realistic, like what's a smart goal that I can use in that scenario? Or should I be starting at run one run a week and then build up to two over time once I've gotten the habit down for the one? So, yeah, so that that kind of n- the newer thought process is that, il- that illustrated at the end there. That's what self-love has given me. It's actually freed me up to be a more productive human being by being more compassionate with myself. So was that something that you did off your own back or was it something that your other half thought for? <sighs> you might want to consider seeing someone about how you've been feeling. No, she, she, um, my wife suggested it too. And I'm very thankful to her that she did that. I think this is one of the valuable things you get by having, it doesn't have to be your wife or husband. It doesn't have to be a boyfriend or girlfriend, but just someone in your life who knows, who knows you, who can see you because you, you never see yourself as other people see you. When you look in the mirror, you know, you, you, you actually see your face in reverse. It's only people who see you from the outside who see your face as it actually looks. That's why on Zoom, actually, they, they reverse your face. I think this software might do it as well. Yeah, yeah, this software has, has reversed my face because it would look weird to me if it was the other way around because our faces aren't completely symmetrical. When you hear the sound of your own voice, it's like all squeaky and high-pitched and it sounds weird but that's how you actually sound. The reason why you sound different to yourself is because you hear the sound of your own voice coming from within your body and kind of vibrating in your brain. There's some really interesting science around that. So having someone who sees you from the outside can point things out to you immensely valuable in this life because you're not, you're going to have blind spots. You're not going to see everything. And then I just have the sort of mind where once I hear something and it sounds like the truth, that app, is immediately downloaded into my operating system. So when I heard the self-love thing, I was like, that is so true. That is so true. It was like immediate. Yeah. And the I the you know, the just the taking in of the idea was immediate. And then it's a daily practice. 
There's some days I'm like, I feel useless. I feel terrible. I'm like, what? You just laid in bed all day and just played video games all day. But having the self-love piece gives you a baseline to return to in your more difficult moments because you're not always going to be running at 100%. True. And I think it's it's unrealistic to expect ourselves to be that way because when you look at the hot countries, no matter what country in the world, it's not consistently that way throughout the year. No. So why do we then believe we can be one way throughout the year at all times? Like yeah. my eldest, I love him to bits, but sometimes he's just not on it in the morning. Mm. And sometimes it's just hard to get him to say good morning or other stuff like that. And I could get vexed with him, but what's the point? Because if I can't show up 100% of the time, I shouldn't come at him and saying, bro, you need to just, no, you're a human being. Yeah. And furthermore, you're a child. I need to, and this is how I've touted for the longest time, saying I need to learn to love myself like I love my loved ones. I will do everything for my children. I think one of my podcast episodes, there was a guy who said he learned how to look at himself rather than his reflection when he looks in the mirror. That's something a lot of us don't do. We will say, I'll do this for my child. I'll do this for this person but we won't do it for ourselves. Oh, I go to work. I don't like it, but I'm doing it for the money. Mm. Oh, I can't stand all the aggro to give me, but I'm doing it for the money. Mm. Okay. If your child said they'll do it just for the money, what do you tell them? Don't do that. Yeah. 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 But why is it okay for them to not do that? But for you, it's okay to put yourself through that grind and horrible situation. That is something that is very personal to me. And I want people to do better for themselves because you deserve the best that life has to offer Yeah, because you've done so much and you're an individual, you're an individual that is valuable. And sometimes you're right. You can't see yourself the way others see you because mm. of the reasons you mentioned, but we need to start looking in the mirror and seeing ourselves, understanding that yes, we might be an employee, a employer, a graphic designer, financial educator, whatever it is, but strip that all away. Who are you as an individual? What do you like? What are you about? What are your passions? What are your dislikes? Let's return to that place. And then hopefully by reintroducing yourself to yourself, you'll find that you're an okay person and you don't have to beat yourself up so frequently as you do. And go into therapy and, I, and people should know, I, I, I've, I've done therapy multiple times and I'm very much an advocate of it. Yes, I believe you have to find the right type of therapist and mm. sometimes it is trial and error after doing some homework or whatever it is and also consider your budget because that is also a factor as well. But it's not uncommon to seek help from a professional, I say in quotation marks, and it's because the professional won't tell you what the answers are. They'll more than likely just provide you questions that you can ask yourself that then you look within yourself to find the answer there. This is why I say it's like guided self-learning. Yeah, like a good a good therapist won't actually tell you the answers, but they'll know which questions to ask based upon the things that you're saying. And then you'll be, you'll be very surprised at the conclusions that you come to. Yeah, just your thing about like sort, sorting yourself out, loving yourself first. This is, yeah, one of the things about self-love is it also set, because I've also done marriage counseling. And one of the things that you get from that is like, you aren't actually able to love anyone, including your partner, until you can love yourself. Because for as long as you don't love yourself, you will be looking to your partner to love and validate you. And that is an unsustainable system. Because if you're looking for them to love you, and they're looking for you to love them, then no one's cup is full. 
It's just a bunch of people walking around with an empty cup going, fill it, fill it. And that there's just no that's yeah, that's why a lot of relationships break down. It's like, I expect you to do this, I have these expectations of you. Oh, you're not meeting them, I'm gonna go and find them someone else somewhere else or with someone else. No, you need to love yourself first. Now, when it comes to the children piece, again, I don't have children, but I suspect a lot of the reason why people will put themselves through difficult situations but will do anything for their children is because they care about their children a lot and they're willing to sacrifice for them. And I completely respect that. But we need to remember what do they say to us in the airplane in the event of a crash and you have young children. Put a mask on your own face first before them because guess what and aviation is one of the safest modes of travel there is of all of the um different uh, modes why do they say that because if you have a young child and you're scrambling to put their mask on and you pass out guess what you're of no use to them so you've got to love yourself first that is everyone's mission in life I don't have any tattoos, but you know, probably if I could get one, I would get self love, self on the right peck, love on the left peck, fifty cent style. <laughs> Just uh, you know, look at that. My guy's flexing. Talk about how his physique's looking already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just such a big believer in it, and I think that the world would be so different if everyone knew about this principle. And, you know, you'd see someone having a bad day and you both knew about self-love and you could just say to them, do you know what? Go easy on yourself. Like, it's going to be okay. So that, that's why I, I talk about this a lot because it's really, really changed my life. It really has. And I think that's powerful. I, I do appreciate it. And that's, and that's a lot of the people, I think, when I go back, I'm editing the podcast and I hear people how they seem to like the intro I give them. It's completely off the top of my head. It is, it is 100% sincere. And I'm very much about giving people flowers now rather than their tombstone. Mm. Because I can't stand when people go. And unfortunately, I can't speak for other cultures, but I can say within my own culture, I've seen it where people have gone up and they give a massive performance in the eulogy. Mm. And it's like, you ain't spoken to this person for like 20 years. Shut up. Yeah. Oh, I love this person. You... The things I heard you say about them, you was cussing them out. Don't come with this now yeah. when it's no good and they can't hear you. Or if they do hear, they're not hearing from this plane. I don't get that. I don't agree with it. It's not my thing. So if I can come into contact with someone and the previous guests on my podcast will know, I've constantly been communicating with them. I will send them love. I will just, hey, just checking in. And I think I've done it with you a few times where I may have seen you online for a bit and I might just, just check in mm. because I think it doesn't hurt me to just find two seconds on my day to fire off a message. And that message could be the big difference between you be thinking of things that you shouldn't probably be thinking about and actually feeling like, oh my gosh, someone's thinking about me. Yeah. And it's not for clout. It's just because you are a decent human being and you are worthy of acknowledgement of yep. just, hey, how you doing? How are things getting on? And you'll always hear me ask about you and your wife just because I, I know it's important to you. So if it's important to you and I care about you, it's important to me. And that's could be completely bizarre, but that's just how I say it. I want to ask you two quick questions. That's all right. Mm. You've done marriage counseling. You've done therapy. Mm. As a man, 
How did that make you feel? Did it make you, because I'm conscious that some men are not about talking about their feelings and this, that, and the rest of it. But as a man, how did that make you feel considering therapy in terms of an external form of support? I felt no way about it as a man because I, you know, my parents, they split up when I was a kid. So I was brought up by my mum predominantly, although I've rekindled with my dad and have a great relationship with him too now. Nice. Uh, so there's a lot of time it was just me, my brother and my mum. And my mum has four sisters and I have like women cousins and, and stuff. So I think I... I I've learned a lot from women and something that women do really well is that they look after each other and they look after themselves. And so I'm open to anything that's going to help me to live my life better, be a better person, improve my knowledge, improve my skills. And as I, as I've said already, therapy for me wasn't like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm ill. So let me do something. Although it can, it can be about that. It was just a, a piece of self-improvement for me it was like going to a gym that's good and then the other question I was going to ask is as a black man how did that make you feel anyway because I make the I make the distinction because as a man for me that's universal that's irrespective of your color creed or anything else like that how did that make you feel yeah and then as a black man it's only because I'm very aware that a lot of people in our cultures don't necessarily acknowledge don't get it wrong. You go to church, yeah, marriage counts, yeah, yeah, but these people are probably not qualified in any way, shape, or form. You'll tell them that you've got a mental health condition, they'll try and pray out of you in some instances. Yeah. We don't tend to acknowledge certain things for what they are. So my question to you is, as a black man, did it, again, did it not make you feel any which way or was it a little bit of something was there? As a black man, again, um, no issues there, there at all. One thing that I did think was that if I didn't have a, a counsellor who was aware of the British Nigerian context, would they be able to understand the things that I was talking to them about? Um, and there was a little bit of that, but then I just, you know, educate them or inform them on like, this is the context that's taking place. And then they just, you know, roll that into their analysis or the things that they're saying. But actually... One of the great things about therapists, counselors, and so on is that they're a neutral third party, particularly within the marriage counseling context, who actually like doesn't care about you and your past and like all of your stuff. So actually speaking to someone who was perhaps not from my culture helped because I got more of an objective take on things. So if there was something that I thought wasn't good, but they were like, mm, that seems okay. Then that was like, okay, that's interesting that they don't see it that way. But then if I said something and they were like, no, that's definitely not good, then I'd be like, okay, that's probably definitely not good. Whereas if you speak to, so you like mentioned the church piece as well, speaking to people who understand where you're coming from culturally, spiritually, and so on can be really useful, but there can be blind spots there too. That is a very, very good point. Okay, I'll ask a question because I find, I find this interesting. So, Let's assume, now I'm in a mixed relationship, so let's assume my wife's white, I'm black. What type of therapist would you say would be the best version, best type? Because I asked this question, if I've got a black therapist in theory, there could be a blind spot there. If I've got a white therapist, there could be a blind spot there. So would it be worth getting someone that's probably outside of those two to try and help just come with it as unbiased as possible? To be honest with you, 
because it is these are the professionals i think it comes down to not the skin color of the therapist but their qualifications and the outcomes that they've achieved previously because there's so many different types of therapy there's so many different like outcomes that you could be going for there are some counselors that you know they just see it as their job to sit in the room whilst you talk with your partner there are some that are you know there's like cognitive behavioral therapists that are trying to pattern interrupt certain like modes of thought that you default to and stuff so what i did was actually went to um a cbt directory and and the counseling directory and actually looked for names of people who i thought based upon what they said about themselves would be able to help me reach the outcomes that i was looking for that's fantastic and you do it, it is like finding a driving instructor unfortunately one of the downsides of therapy is that it's prohibitively expensive a lot of the time and there's just so many people so you're like who do i go with so there is a little bit of like finding people but if you um yeah if you're able to look up the directories for like specific types of professionals be it relationship cbt ebt or get a personal recommendation from someone um then hopefully over time it'll just become more joined up and less disparate i love that I love that. And for those that don't know, uh, CBT stands for Cognitive Behavioural Therapy. You said EBT? What's E stand for? Emotional. Ah, okay. That makes sense. So it's all about not loving yourself. That was an L, mm. right? And I know you said about no Ls, just all lessons. Would you still say that was a lesson or would you call it something else? No, for me, not loving myself, now that knowing what I know now, it is, it's not an L in a bad way, but it is something that I... If I if I get if I find myself in a place where I'm like, you know, you you need to like step up your self love, like I take it very seriously. That's that's what I would say. So So what, you made you more self aware? Yeah, yeah. Like for me it's like if I'm not doing the self love piece, then I need to sit down and I need to have a chat with myself or I need to speak to a professional to just work through whatever it is that I'm that I'm going through. Because for me, loving myself is like the first layer in self-care and in being a fully functioning adult that's the first thing because you love yourself then you get up and you go to the gym because you love yourself so you want to look after your body you love yourself so then you do a job which makes you a nice person to be around so that you can look after your family and look after yourself you love yourself so therefore, instead of going into this type of business so you can look super flashy and impress people, you actually go into that type of business, which makes society and the world a better place. It is a hugely, hugely important aspect of growing up and being an adult. And you practice it every single day. There's never a day, You don't get to the top of the mountain where you now love yourself. You wake up in the morning you practice it. You're eating breakfast, you practice it. You're having a conversation with someone, you practice it. And then as with all things that you practice, it becomes habit. So it becomes something that you consciously have to do in the beginning, but then it becomes habit. And then you'll just have these habitual self-love behaviors and thought processes 
that just kick in every day. And I guess that also includes the language you use when you describe yourself and your actions. So a self saying, you're so stupid Mm. and things like that. You need to be kinder to yourself so that you're not putting that back into yourself. You're replacing that with something more positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're so stupid. It's a very extreme thing to say. The practical tip that I can offer there is, and I got this from Brené Brown, um, the TED Talk. She's got one of the most viewed TED Talks in the world, and she talks a lot about vulnerability. Is She says, instead of calling someone a liar, tell them you lied. Because how can you define a person based on one thing that they did or said? A whole person that's lived 70, 80, 90 years, they lie once. So the whole person's a liar? No. Like, how can you say that? But you can definitely say that they lied. Yeah. So if you did a stupid thing, the self-love way of acknowledging that is, yeah, what I did was pretty stupid. But tomorrow is another day where I have the opportunity to do better. I can go back to the person that I did the stupid thing to, and I can apologize to them. That is a productive thing to do, not to just label your entire being, your entire infinite being as one thing because of something you did once when you were super tired or under the effects of alcohol or or angry that is not that is not that doesn't make any sense that's just not a logical way of thinking i agree with that yeah a lot of taken away from that and at any point would you if you could have gone back in time whether it be your uni days or prior to when you went therapy was it last year you said Mm. would is there anything you'd say to your younger self to sort of help encourage you to get there and not potentially delay arriving to the place that you need to arrive to to be in a better headspace i think the thing that younger timmy needed was just to meet the world where it is and just to embrace reality so when i was younger i used to have a lot of anger and impatience towards the way the world was versus the way that i thought the world should be and i used to used to make me feel very discontented with life and and with things like if we take uni for example but why do people need to go to uni? This is so dumb. Like you go to uni just because everyone else is going to get a piece of paper just so you can get a job that has nothing to do with your degree. That was like a very standard thought pattern for me to have. And it's very full of judgment. And I still carry judgment now, don't get me wrong. Like the counseling I've been doing lately, I've realized not real well, what we got to bomb of is that I have a lot of judgment internally still which I use to protect myself against people that I think might want to hurt me or take advantage of me. So I judge them, I prejudge them so that I can say you're this way or, or you're that way. Um, so there's still a little a little bit of that going on. But, and I've, I've said this in another podcast conversation, I try to err on the side of reality at all times because I think that if I'm going to go up against reality, reality is going to win. And so meeting the world where it is is way more productive than judging it because when you meet the world where it is you go hmm okay so it seems like everyone has to go to uni or or, or most people have to go to uni in order to get employment in this system that I'm living in right now what steps can I take in my life to try and do things differently that's a completely different conversation to why is the world like this? The world shouldn't be like this. The world shouldn't be like that. It's like, hey, hold on. This planet has existed for 4.6 billion years and you've been around for 20 of them. <laughs> so why does anyone care about your opinion? Yeah. 
on this thing, even if it is quote unquote correct. So that's what I'd say to younger Timmy. Do you think you'd have heard yourself? Do you think you would have received that information and gone, yep, get you? No, no, everything in its own time. It's a journey. It's all, it's all a journey. And, you know, there's things that when I get older, I'll want to say to myself now. And I hope I'm hearing a little bit of that. But I know that some things just come out over time. And um, I'm excited for the future and I'm excited to see what I go on to learn. That's amazing. I just love that. I, I just, I, I like asking that question because I know that there's things we'd want to say to our younger selves. And as eloquent as you put it, the reality is, would you've heard yourself? And Charles, you'd be like, mate. I'm walking the opposite direction to what you're talking to me about. Mm. And it's, you'd have to then be a bit more creative and a bit like what you said about meeting the world where it's at. You'd then have to meet yourself at where you're at and then go, right, let me have to represent this information in a way that 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 version of me would have understood it and and helped me arrive at, at that point. But I just I just love it. Yeah, and if, yeah, if I, if I could just conclude, that is what self-love is. Self-love is meeting yourself where you are right now in the present moment. The present moment is all we have. The past is gone and the future doesn't exist. Very true. All you have is now. So take, you know, be compassionate to yourself, not in some sensationalized way, but in a very realistic way as to who you are right now. That's very true. I did actually put a post out on my story stories on my uh, IG account a while ago, and it says self love sometimes look like buying clothes at your current size. And it sounds super stupid, but if anyone's tried to lose weight mm. and you're always squeezing them jeans and stuff like that, mm. sometimes you just need to go go Tesco, <laughs> go wherever you got to go, yeah. buy the jeans in that next size or that size that you're in right now, mm. because you just need to feel accepted. Mm-hmm. You need to just feel okay as you are right now. And I think there's not enough of that being touted around. So I I greatly appreciate everything you said. I appreciate the conversation. You are, oh my gosh, I didn't know how the conversation was going to go, but I am so far from being disappointed. You have no idea. You are every bit as genuine here as you have been on your post, which is a refreshing experience for me. Because as you know, social media just, some people can be one way on mm. social and then another way in another. But you've been actually amazing. I'm so grateful for you. What I'm going to ask you to do, it's all right, for the next couple of minutes, selfishly plug you and everything you've got going on, where people can find you. And yeah, I'll wrap up. The, the, just the, the main thing that people can do is if you enjoyed this conversation, come give me a follow on socials. I'm at Mr. Money Jar. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. Um, and give me a follow come say hi drop me a comment drop me a dm Um, he does tiktok dances on his tiktok account (laughs) um and that's that's the number one thing that people can do fantastic so yeah you've probably probably seen him around but once you go follow him you'll start seeing what he's doing and how active he is and yeah if you like what he does please share his content as well because there are going to be probably people in your circle that could benefit from him whether they be young or old everyone can learn something new that will help them through this cost of living situation that we're all currently in what we're going through right now is probably no different to what it was many moons ago when people were buying houses for five grand and they say yeah but the interest rate was like 15 16 percent or the banking and base rate was that price so it all swings and roundabouts we're all doing the best we can with what we got going on and if you want to take it even further back 
as much as some people saying, it's scary out there, all this knife crimes going on. Yeah, when a bomb was being dropped and people were playing in the craters, that was scary for the people that just given birth to those children. So we're all going through our own series of events that we're, we're mindful of and thinking, did we make the right decision? Hold tight, have faith, back yourself. You survived every worst day you've ever had in your life so far and you'll continue to do so. So keep doing you. Timmy, thank you once again for jumping on and for sharing what you shared. It's hearing people like you who are open and honest and challenge what has happened in your life and are proactively changing to be a better version of yourself that helps me know that what I'm doing is the right thing to do. And I'll be open and honest as much as I can in my life as well as on this podcast and just say, I struggle with that. But it's nice to hear people like you and check in with people like you that help me know that I'm on the right course and I should keep going. So thank you once again. And to everyone listening, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I hope you took away some stuff. Make sure if you are listening on whatever platform you're listening on, please like, rate, review, everything about this because the more people that do that the more it'd be recommended to other folks and hopefully they'll be in a better headspace after listening to the conversations like this um but yes everyone just remember your right now is not your forever be kind to yourself when you look in a reflection next time see yourself rather than just your reflection and yeah just remember nothing about a caterpillar I tell you it's going to be a butterfly look after yourself speak to your next one and not every L is a loss take care Every L.